0: And welcome to another episode of The Wellness Couch, 3ABR 87.6FM. Now, tonight we've got an interesting one. We're uh, just around the corner from Valentine's Day, so we thought we'd concentrate on relationships. So are you in a karmic relationship or do you ever feel like you're constantly riding a roller coaster? Does the um, the peace feel unachievable? Have you ever searched for a deeper meaning of why we actually form relationships in the first place? Um, So a karmic relationship is a relationship meant to facilitate the lessons we need to learn in this lifetime surrounding love and partnership. Um, And they're also thought to be um, as a a type of soulmate relationship, as it is a connection of two souls, though it is different from uh, twin flames or soulmates that are healing in nature. More likely um, than not, we'll each have one of these karmic relationships in our lifetime. It's the love that Uh, that actually pushes your buttons and pushes you to grow and expand but these relationships aren't exactly smooth sailing now we had a wonderful talk with um, the beautiful Susie Singh and she goes into explaining all about um, karma and relationships so I hope you'll enjoy this show
1: Relationships that test you, challenge you, bring up destructive emotions in you, revealing your dark side and making your psychic wounds bleed, causing you emotional suffering you these are all part of relationships. They are manifested by an experiential imbalance or an energetic entanglement that comes from a past life. It's almost like a carry-forward account or a balance sheet or what you have given to another person or received from them through your actions, speech, feelings or thoughts. And it includes both curses and blessings, betrayal and longing, support and rejection. So let's say people whom we have hurt or helped, loved or hated, abused or violated in previous lives. And those experiences that our soul has specifically chosen to neutralize in this current lifetime they will constitute our karmic relationships so the people we have loved they will play the role of our supporting cast and crew those that we have hurt will enact the role of villains and negative heroes allowing us to experience and transform our destructive vices and such people they usually have a lasting impact on us They leave a strong impression upon our mental and emotional bodies. And it is up to us to resolve and end this karmic drama by learning to honor both the other and ourselves. So parents, siblings, in-laws, lovers, close friends, significant teachers, bosses, and most importantly, those whom we love to hate, they all fall within our karmic circles. Wow.
2: Yeah. So... How do we know if we get into a karmic relationship?
1: Ah, that is, that is very interesting. So mm-hmm. a karmic relationship will trigger and frustrate you to start with because it is designed to bring to the surface all of your negative patterns, your confusions, your mental distortions. They are designed to mirror back to you your own shadows so that you can own them, and then take responsibility for transforming them. So the first sign is that the relationship is not going to be an easy one. And yet, you have no choice but to be in that relationship. So let's say it could be an arrogant boss that you dislike for various reasons, (laughs) but your circumstances may not permit you to quit that job. So when you first encounter someone that you have a karmic relationship with, you may feel a strong attraction or a disturbing yeah. uneasiness or tension yeah. in their presence. And you know, the interesting thing is there is no logic to your feeling because you know nothing about them. But this is a kind of karmic recognition. There is a definitive sense of knowing that that about that person which originates deep within you. So what you're feeling, you cannot ignore it. Mm. this is characteristic of karmic relationships and interestingly enough it's not just you you may find that the feeling is mirrored by that other person too and they may be equally attracted or repelled by you <laughs> um, but this gets even more interesting when we come to um romantic relationships yeah no doubt uh, yeah. yes because given valentine's round the, the corner i think it's important we should talk about that so in romantic relationships, these compelling urges can be very strong and difficult to overlook. Mm, yes. It's almost like your heart is not going to stop ringing the church bell till you pay heed to it and answer that karmic call. Now, when I refer to the church bell, I'm not talking about <laughs> uh, them getting into a sacred partnership. I'm talking about an atonement bell. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, Karma has arranged for the two of you to meet to be drawn mm. closer so that you can break recurring negative patterns such as anger, judgment, unworthiness, lack of responsibility, maybe dependency, selfishness, or um, narcissism, entitlement, control, et cetera. And these kinds of behaviors that have been repeated through past lives. And this cosmic coming together is set up primarily to give these two people involved a chance to make better choices in this lifetime enabling them to learn, to evolve spiritually towards purity and oneness. Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly enough, you know, you'd find that in the early stages of this attraction, you might find a lot of common ground through shared wounds. For Mm -hmm. example, both you and that person may be attracted uh, to each other because maybe you've both recently broken up with your exes and you may be nursing wounds of betrayal or deception or you may both be experiencing a very lonely phase in your life and this energetic resonance this brings you together now up till this point things are looking good so because the objective of this coming together is learning and growth mm. being in such a relationship is now going to lead you into a roller coaster ride so once <laughs> you get into it and yeah. the good time, the, the honeymoon period is over you'll find yeah. disagreements mixed emotions, heated arguments and confusion are very common. One minute you can feel head over heels in love with this yeah, person. Yeah. And the very next you could be screaming your head off. And it's almost like neither you can be with them nor without them because the relationship is so addictive. And oh, um, yeah. you know, there's, there is this strong tugging uh, energy that pulls at your soul because you're there to learn the lessons to overcome past confusions and errors. And a short period of attraction is usually followed by longer periods of misunderstanding and suffering. And this is the phase when a lot of people actually increase their karmic burden instead of dissolving it. And which is why karmic relationships are so painful. So if you're in a difficult relationship, the best thing that you can actually do is to ask the question, what imperfection in me? Is this relationship prompting me to notice and change? And how can I transform these vices and imperfections? So let's just um, say that, you know, your reflections throw up an answer. And if you've truly been honest to yourself that maybe I'm too argumentative. Now you could examine what makes you argue. Is it the need to be always right or to have the last word in a disagreement? Do you need to control outcomes? Are you too rigid about your point of view? It's also possible that your listening skills are poor or that your arrogance doesn't allow you to be receptive to other people's points of view because you perceive every contradiction as a personal defeat or a reason to be ashamed of. So you can see that at the very first step is a deep inquiry into your own reactions. Next, you need to make an active choice to practice the exact opposite of what your current behavior is. So instead of being argumentative, you could practice being, um, let's say, reflective and approach the conflicting views or your uh, fights or breakdowns with, okay, let me think about what you've just said and uh, take time out instead of saying, I don't agree with you and I don't want to be with you, et cetera. Now, this will help you see your own card, make patterns and remedy them. The thing is that karmic relationships usually involve a high degree of blaming, criticism, Mm -hmm. judgment, with very little appreciation of the impact that this behavior is having on the other partner. And a key transformative agent, therefore, is to replace your own self-absorption, your own narcissism with empathy and consideration for the other person involved.
0: Wow, that is... Quite a roller coaster. So with all <laughs> the emotions going up and down, what is the purpose of a karmic relationship to the soul?
1: Uh there are several purposes. The first one, of course, is like I mentioned, neutralizing karma or atoning for sins and errors made in the past. Next, it is to heal your shadow wounds and your destructive emotions. Uh, also to teach both the people involved lessons that can lead them towards creating a unity consciousness to start with each other and later on with all of life as they grow in their spiritual journey. Uh, It is also important for them to grow and evolve into more sensitive, caring, and empathetic humans. And finally, they need to, through this process, which can be tumultuous and difficult, develop virtues, of tolerance, fortitude, etc., that will allow them to honor all of creation. So in essence, it's about breaking negative patterns, learning, growth, purifying their consciousness, evolving, and eventually becoming one with all of life.
2: So essentially, it's a pathway of evolving as, as people, growing to be a better version of ourselves each day
1: yes absolutely becoming um, a version or two of yourself
2: yeah
1: an upgrade an upgrade of consciousness so to say
2: so do you believe it's a coincidence coincidence or do you think it's actually part of a synchronistic path that our souls devise ways to meet certain individuals on our path uh, or forming relationships
1: uh most of us view life in a very linear way from birth to death Mm. And only a few see it as a cyclical coming and going, a process that repeats itself rhythmically, like seasons and years, perhaps. And this is because we keep our cosmic blinkers on and thus perceive Mm -hmm. these meetings as mere coincidences. But uh, you see, the great law of karma ensures that everything is perfectly timed. By a very complex matrix, which is very unlike our perception of time. So our clocks determine time in a very unidimensional way.
0: Do, but in yeah.
1: karmic, yeah, but in karmic relationships, readiness for an experience determines when the time is right. Mm. So a seed which has been lying nascent in your consciousness will sprout when the context is um, supporting for it, when the environment is conducive for that sprouting. So there is no fixed state on which an event will happen. Rather, there is a period in which the individual will hopefully be ready to explore certain lessons. Um, There's a very interesting study that was done in the early 1920s by Rudolf Steiner, who was um, a great investigator and philosopher uh, into karma. And he proposed three key life phases. You know, he divided life into three phases. So there was the early phase, which is about um, zero to 30 years, and the midlife phase, about 30 to 60, and a late life, yeah, a late life, which was seen as 60 plus. And he developed some very interesting correlations um, with karmic redemptions. So according to him, when we are young, we resolve the previous... Midlife karma by being born to a certain family. Mm. So, the people that we will end up meeting in these early years, let's say from age one to 30, such as um, parents, siblings with whom yeah. we generated karma in a midlife phase during a previous lifetime, we will meet them. And they could be a past life lover, spouse, in law, child, you know, anyone who entered your life post 30 years of age. Mm. we will meet them in the first phase of our present lifetime. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say there's a neglectful husband from a previous life. He could reincarnate as your mother in the current life (laughs) so so that there is an opportunity to give and receive care and attention, making it possible to neutralize that karma of abandonment or the suffering that was experienced in a previous life. Or conversely, if you had abandoned your wife in a previous life, you may be born as her son or daughter in this lifetime and experience that same degree of rejection or neglect so that you can learn what it feels like to be abandoned. So this, is, this describes the kind of people that we're gonna meet in the first phase of our life. Now people, he mentioned that the people that we meet in our current midlife phase, let's say from 30 to 60 years, they are more likely to have been our parents or our early life contacts in a previous life. Right. Really and in the fine. third, <laughs> yeah. and in the third or the last period of our life, which is post sixty years, we meet those people whom we met in the first period of our current life, you know one to thirty. And this is almost like a second chance at neutralizing early life karma.
0: It's like a so yeah.
1: If we actually reflect on this correlation theory that he developed, if we, it, it's really logical, um, Catherine, you know, because we find that by our 30th year, we are likely to have developed a certain degree of maturity, cognition, experience, mental regulation, emotional regulation to neutralize this dense karma from previous lives. So we can yeah. see how we are better prepared to do this work. And since most karma is created with a family of birth, because we have the longest standing relationship with them, it is important that we reach a stage of emotional and mental maturity and resilience to redeem those karmas, and which is why they come up for redemption in the middle phase of our life. And this also explains why our midlife phase, 30 to 60, appears so challenging. I mean, this is a general principle, but of course, there can be exceptions, but in most cases, we will find uh that this pattern is followed now this sets up for people who are uh, you know specifically wanting a valentine's day input <laughs> if there was someone if there was someone you met between let's say one to thirty years let's you know when you have your Um, infatuations in your high school years or whatever. And maybe you had had this very intense relationship with someone and then that person vanished or maybe went overseas to study or whatever, life took them apart and they moved on with their lives. But let's say this person had some very intense moments and experiences and this person said, oh, I'm going to marry you. Mm -hmm. Now, when you move on, that is forgotten, right? Because you may have met other people, but you're likely to meet that person again in the last phase of your life, because what you did was to send out a very powerful desire to be married to that person. And you now, if you don't neutralize it or end it or uh, resigned it or revoke it in that last period of your life or complete it, whichever be the option, then you're likely to come back in another lifetime as lovers again because you have created that deep desire in that first instance for love and togetherness and a romantic association.
0: It's very interesting, the cycle you talk about. It doesn't sound like a linear at all. It sounds like toroidal almost um that cycles return back into your life yes so um, it sounds like a taurus
1: yes and it moves it keeps moving into higher octaves as we keep learning but Mm -hmm. we will keep coming back to a higher lesson in the same octave sure yeah
0: now when you talk about relationships as well um and karma are they one-sided is it always two two-sided for the relationship um two karmic uh, relationships coming together, or is it to suit one particular individual and their karma?
1: No, usually karmic relationships always involve strong feelings among both the people involved, except, of course, if there is a case of unreciprocated love, and um, then it could involve just one person who comes back and is willing to um, complete that desire or overcome that desire. Because karma involves karma involves uh, you know you have to have an entanglement. Now, if there is no entanglement between people, if uh, you you just felt very attracted to someone but you never voiced it, and or you voiced it and the other person was. Um, extremely clear that he did not feel that way and he treated you well and kindly and he did not create any new karma with you or didn't open up a karmic account with you that person is free of any correlation with you but you're okay. still stuck with your desire and you still oh. need to work through your desire okay
2: yeah there seems to be a lot of drama in these karmic relationships easy are these relationships yeah. often like like that and, and why is that
1: so I am going to ask you a question, Brad. Right. When you wake up in the morning, do you need do you need some kind of a beverage to wake up?
2: Not normally, no. no, you're, you're not.
1: no. Okay, you're one of those lucky ones because yeah, I usually yeah. find when I no, ask people yeah. this question, they say, oh, I can't surface without my coffee, coffee in the morning. Yeah, not a coffee drinker. Yeah. 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 Oh,
2: great, great. I do like to have a juice or something like that to get my day started, that's for sure.
1: Okay, and if you don't get your juice, do you get a <laughs> head start into your day? Do you have the energy to, for the day?
2: Look, I generally do, but I definitely feel better with it. Definitely do feel better. Yeah, with it. It yeah. We can it
0: ourselves, yeah, in the morning. Yeah. That's yeah, if we ask
1: ourselves, why is it so hard to start our day without something that we are used to? or yeah. well, That's part habit, of it? our habitual yeah. behavior. It's because we are creatures of habit. And yeah. we resist change. So when we get into a karmic relationship, our virtues and vices are so strongly imprinted in us <laughs> that uh, we resist changing. We, uh, ego makes us justify that I'm okay. I'm the good person. The other guy is the cause of all my problems. So resisting change. Um, and attributing blame to others is the first reason why there is so much drama, because both people are going to view the relationship uh, with a finger pointing at each other. And secondly, we are driven by instincts more than wisdom. So we are by nature okay. reactive. We are not logical in our okay. behavior. Okay. We still haven't uh, you know, evolved into thinking before we act. We act and then we think and regret. So that is the second reason. Thirdly, we, we just live life mechanically through you know, herd mentality and imitation, not through contemplation. Uh, it's almost like people who will just um, you know, blindly, because everybody's doing it, so I'm doing it, not sitting down to think why I'm doing something. And it was very interesting. Uh, I was speaking to my husband yesterday who mentioned to me that um, you know, this whole idea of 10,000 steps to fitness no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, how did this whole thing start? It's just somebody who was developing an app and uh, in Japan and they realized that uh, 10,000 steps in the Japanese language looked like a walking man. And therefore he, <laughs> he created this whole idea about 10,000 oh. steps is the perfect for fitness and the whole world blindly imitated it, followed it and they're wearing their f- sort of uh, fitness watches and apps and wow. Uh, wow. measuring 10,000 steps. That's they're amazing. not sitting down to question or to contemplate or to listen to their own bodies and say, does 10,000 steps tire me out. And it's only today that scientists are discovering that it's actually 7,500 steps and any steps more than that <laughs> does not give you a positive payoff. So that's what I mean, that we live life mechanically. Yeah. And the same applies to karma and our response to um, you know our life and our relationships. And the fourth is that we can't learn when we are in protection mode because the learning mind shuts down when we feel unsafe. So whenever we are feeling threatened in our relationship, when there's argument, there's blame being ascribed to us, we go into that protection mode and we respond from the instinctive mind, not the wisdom mind. I'm sure you can see why there's so much drama in relationships that challenge us and require us to learn.
2: Because it does require a level of self-awareness, doesn't it, and a self-accountability to as mm, step back definitely. from all that finger pointing, yes. the blaming, the, you know, I'm not wrong, you are type behavior, doesn't it? Yes,
1: a, a lot of objectivity, a mm-hmm. lot of self awareness, a lot of um, the ability to witness ourselves and really to own our shadow self. I mean, uh, how many people are actually aware or willing to accept that they have a darker side to them? Most of us like to believe, oh, I'm really good.
2: Yeah. That's true.
1: We we, we find it very difficult even to confess to our own selves that maybe I have a darker side too that is unpleasant. We're so terrified of facing our shadow.
0: Absolutely amazing. Um, The the comment I've got to make now, though, is that um, if someone's in an abusive relationship, though, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's lots of red flags at the start of a relationship, should they really stay in one? Just to sort out
1: the karma. Absolutely, uh, because if you don't stain it, the karma is going to chase you through the relationships. So the faces will change, but uh, the abuse is not. Now, maybe if you're in an abusive relationship and you reflect on what is it that I need to learn, maybe you are allowing that abuse. Okay. Maybe you're too passive. Maybe what you need to learn is to stand up for yourself, to draw a clear boundary, to say no, and you don't know how to say no. Maybe that's your karmic lesson.
2: Yeah. Okay. And maybe in that karmic lesson, saying no is actually leaving and being strong and believing in yourself.
1: Yes. And if you can't renegotiate um, peace or you can't renegotiate um new boundaries or they are not respected by your partner then it's time to leave then it's time to leave but you can't you can't flee it without learning to stand up for yourself you can't vanish without giving an explanation or working through it
2: because otherwise the karma i guess just repeats itself
1: in the next relationship or in the next relationship yeah now
0: look since there is normally much resolution in a karmic relationship um, through the steps you, you actually talked about. Can karmic relationships actually turn into a, a soulful or a soulmate relationship?
1: So it is uncommon, but yes, it is possible if the couple chooses to engage in a spiritual search to end their suffering. We must understand that um, Katrina, many people could be in karmic relationships along the continuum of that um rising circle of awareness. So let's say there's somebody at the bottom of the pile who's just beginning the karmic journey, maybe they are going to keep fighting, but there may be somebody who's at the top of that pyramid and who's very spiritually aware and both yeah. the partners do recognize that we are in this because we need to learn something. Those kind of partners are more likely to work towards uh, ending their suffering through accelerated learning and they can develop a sacred relationship where they learn to honor and love each other. Now, the reverse can also be true in rare cases. Let's say if a couple is unable to fulfill their love or common purpose in one lifetime because of some hindrance or error, the soulmates may be drawn together in future lives in a karmic relationship to make those errors before they can rejoin again as soulmates and bring their love to fruition. So yes, the karma then in those cases can be positive and benevolent because it's about working together to build something or to overcome something together that they may have wanted to do so in a previous life, but they were not able to accomplish for various reasons. Now, I am tempted to read a very, very fascinating case that I came across in my clinical work and which I've uh, written about in my book, The Seven Karma Codes. And um, there was this married man well into his 50s who suddenly encountered a fascinating young woman with whom he was really strongly drawn to. Yeah. Yeah. And despite his moral values, which in no way approved to this urge, he could not deny the powerful attraction he felt for her. Mm. She too felt the same way, and this confused them both immensely as they were both happily married. So he came in for therapy and he wanted to understand what was going off. We can see that he's a spiritually aware person. Mm. And during therapy, we discovered that they had been lovers in a past life, but their love was not consummated because of a tragic and premature end. They had tried to elope, but were caught. And the girl who came from a highly orthodox family was killed by her brothers who considered the Alliance Mm. blasphemous. Mm. And the man was beaten up just enough to keep the breath flowing for her brothers did not want them to be united even in death. They believed that a life spent in remorse and regret was far more appropriate punishment for the man who had dared to fall in love with their sister. So clearly, their love story had been rudely interrupted in that past life and it hungered for completion in the future. But what continued to puzzle this man was why had they met at a time when they were both happily married and could no way bring closure to their love story in this lifetime without increasing their karmic burden? I mean, if they decided to, be, uh, to betray their respective partners, that would have uh, brought on okay. more karmic burden. So he asked for another session, and in that session, it was revealed um, that in that original life, they had both acted too hastily in that past life, thus failing to develop the virtue of patience that had been part of their soul's curriculum. In this intermediate life, they would have to learn how to temper their yearning to be together again, which is why they had met so late in life. So patience, temperance, and fortitude were the virtues they needed to develop and strengthen in this incarnation before they can meet in another incarnation and complete the love story. So as you can see, it can be, uh, you know, the, the sort of intertwining of karma and uh, the play of karma can be really interesting.
0: Is um, karma cumulative in relationships with the same person? I mean, you, you talked about frequency previously um, mm-hmm. or, or different levels of... Um... Uh, you know, like of the triangle, someone may be above because of their spiritual endowments, and someone may be new to uh, yeah. to all this. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they operate on different frequencies, but um, can it be accumulative um, in relationships with the same individual?
1: Yes, absolutely. We can increase or dis- decrease karma with the same individual, and this can easily be comprehended or you know, seen ourselves by advancing peace or advancing difficulty in the relationship. So if things are getting better between those two people, if communication flows more easily, if there is less drama and breakdowns, then they know that the karma in that relationship is decreasing and they're dissolving and burning the karma. Mm. And uh, this, of course, uh, you know, it only happens when people are at the top of that pyramid because uh, it requires both of them to move at a similar pace and to be mm. uh, at a similar spiritual frequency. But frequently, this does not happen because the individuals advance at in different paces mm. depending on their soul's evolution. And in such cases, one person may move on faster than mm-hmm. the other and the one who remains trapped in the recurring pattern he or she will continue to suffer until that lesson is mastered so it is absolutely key that if you are in a difficult relationship you need to strengthen your abilities to listen to understand to let go of the need to control to be in acceptance of what is unfolding for you and to drop a feeling of entitlement or expectations If you want to fast track your suffering,
2: yeah. So, how do we go about ending these karmic relationships, Susie?
1: Ah, Brett, the relationship only ends when you have learned all all that there is to learn. So, uh, learning happens speedily only when there is self reflection, understanding, tolerance, acceptance, and forgiveness. These are very, very important. Uh, On the contrary, it can lead to more complexities, more entanglement, and the creation of more toxic karma. The relationship is approached in a very reactive and mechanical way, which involves a high degree of destructive uh, emotions. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure you'll agree with me that most of us, we look at our relationships in a very, very mechanical way. We are very mechanical in relationships. It's not so easy to bite your tongue when you want to say and make a nasty remark. And so it needs a person needs to have a lot of uh, uh, spiritual will and inner practice to be able to do this. For an example, let's say that you're feeling very unloved in a romantic relationship, and yet you cannot let go of it. There may be several lessons that you need to learn here. One is you need to learn to honor, love, and respect yourself. Two, like I mentioned in the uh, example of the abusive boundaries, um, abusive relationship, you could need to set up stronger boundaries with your lover Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. stop being okay with that emotional or verbal abuse. Three, you could become more emotionally self-reliant, so take on some spiritual practice to make yourself, um, you know, strong from within. Four, renegotiate the rules of that relationship and stick to your revised boundaries. And five, if he does not comply with those renegotiated terms, you end the relationship, you forgive him, and then you move on. Now, this last aspect of forgiveness is very, very important because if you do not forgive the other and deep inside there is a desire for revenge, or the feeling that he should experience the agony that he's put you through Mm -hmm. and you feel angry about the way he treated you, the karmic entanglement does not end. Because while you have learned the lesson of self-love, you have now set up a new lesson of forgiveness in that very relationship. You have harbored the desire for revenge and that desire or that thought or that mental curse that you have for him has created a new karmic (laughs) entanglement. Yeah. Yeah. And you also develop emotional cords that still bind you because you know, love and hate are two ends of the same continuum. So it's important to remember that karmic laws aim at unification. Hence, unless one reaches a state of natural detachment of complete letting go in any relationship, you will not be free of that karmic entanglement.
0: That's absolutely amazing, yeah. Susie, what about relationships that are very peaceful, very loving, um, you know, and don't have much, uh, what can you say, ups and downs in them?
1: Those are like uh, the pleasing shade or the restful oasis in an otherwise scorching desert trip to this incarnation. Scorching <laughs> desert. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, true, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we're we getting burnt in these relationships. The sun is hot. <laughs> It's bright, it's clear, and still we want to keep our eyes shut and not notice the lessons. Um, But when we have these very positive and loving relationships, you know, people we've loved in our past, they're going to come back and they are going to give us love, care, respect, support, because the payback is going to come to us regardless. So what we give out is going to come back to us. And these relationships are the ones that we cherish, the ones where we can really advance a spiritual growth in tremendously because, uh, once again, they happen either in um, you know maternal relationships of deep love, or they will happen yeah. in spiritually advanced relationships where uh, we are ready to now give up um, even the positive karma. Because see, karma has a ladder. First is at the at the base are those people that we've hurt. Then karma's next level is those that we have loved, we have, le- we have to learn to let go of that too, because uh, even that is, is creating credit accounts. There's no neutrality. And from there we have to go to being neutral, which is the place where we have absolutely no karma or we are free of all karma because we've become unified with all of consciousness or all life or all humans and we love everyone equally.
0: So we don't probably get birthed again. At that stage yes
1: no we might we might still choose we have a choice there oh, that's to, right. to, to, to come back to, to come yeah. back as an educator as a teacher as a as a guru as a uh, someone who leads the path for other people and mm-hmm. helps them uh, walk that journey too.
0: so um, Brett was talking about how you end a karmic relationship are there any steps for you know the listeners out there to follow to allow individuals to get over? An ex, maybe, because some people linger on, um, you know, with a want or desire for for their ex partners.
1: Yes. And uh, again, they are extending their own suffering. I think the first thing to examine is is it a breakdown or is it a breakup? Because these days, what I find with young couples is that, um, you know, in the earlier generations, Couples would develop maturity, let's say, in their twenties. Now we find that um, people in their teens, are, in their thirties, are behaving like teenagers. <laughs> so it's it's not it's not strange to find um, people in their twenties and thirties actually uh, having a bad fight and then going and blocking them from all kinds of social media and throwing tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> you're never really sure whether it's a breakup, whether it's, it, it, it's it's you know, we are done with and our business is served or whether they're just going through a bad fight. So once you have, uh, and this is something that you have to define for yourself, not wait for your partner to let you know, are you over or not? Or is the relationship come to an end or not? But you got to decide, am I really done with this relationship? And if you are, and you've made that call, then it's very important to start looking at, the pain of either the betrayal or the pain of breaking up or the pain of not being in that relationship, uh, of being in that relationship as as opposed to moving on. And you will notice that if you are able to focus your attention on that, you'll see that whatever you needed to learn there, you've learned it and it's time for you to let go. Mentally accept that it's over and then focus your attention on the hurt. Now, this is usually... Um, a technique that we use when we want to get over addictions in psychotherapy mm-hmm. or yes. in hypnosis and we want to get over any addiction to substance, let's say cigarettes, when we imagine, you know, the cigarette is morphing into a snake or whatever. So it's important to, um, whenever this person's uh, image comes into your mind, morph him into a demon or whatever else you want <laughs> to stay away from yeah. so that, uh, you know, you can let go of him more easily. Yes, And once you've gone through that process, then you start your grieving process of losing whatever uh, habit there was in that relationship of being in touch with each other, of texting each other very frequently, Uh, And you'll have to go through those five stages of uh, grief, which is the denial, mm -hmm. the anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Just go through that entire process. And yes, you will feel sad as you do that, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with feeling sad. Uh, This is a stage that you have to be careful about. A lot of people actually go back into the relationship at this point because they're feeling Mm -hmm. sad and they think that sadness is equal to love. It isn't. It's a natural process of letting go. And uh there's this other thing, which is your mind will make up stories about how happy that person is. And uh, you'll think that he's having parties and he's gotten over the breakup so easily, and he's meeting other women, and he's done all this other stuff. And that is just, you know, imagination. It's fearful imagination. It's just gonna make your life harder. So when your mind is making up those stories, it's important to say cut. Select all, delete. I am not going to go there and I'm not yeah, going sure. to harass sure. myself anymore. The next thing is don't personalize the breakup because this is when you will start blaming yourself and saying, Oh, what could I have done to stay in the relationship? What could I, you know, can did I really do something wrong? Was I mean? Was I was I too quick to walk out, etc. You made your call, you spent time pondering over it. Now you just need to look ahead of you and not backwards. So the important thing is cut all communication. So there is no scope of being uh, going back into or falling back, regressing into the bargaining stage again. And the way to do that is engage with life, move on. So it's important to have something that uh, keeps your attention focused. It could be uh, a job, something in your career. It could be something new you want to do. It could be learning a new skill, joining a new art class or a dance class or whatever else that you want to do that keeps you engaged with life and keeps your creativity and joy flowing through you. So these are broadly the eight steps that people need to embrace if they are in the process of getting over an X.
0: And they are in your Karma Code book, so which, which is a bestseller internationally. So um, well worth uh, visiting the Karma Code by Susie Singh. Now Susie, just, just to reiterate as well there, um, would this be a good stage for the person to actually write down why they broke up, or the characteristics you know why they didn't like about the person to remind them when they they're feeling um, like that, like they're missing up or they want to go back, uh, why they broke up in the first place?
1: I think that is an absolutely excellent uh, idea, and I do mention to people that they must do that reflection, because when you actually start writing down, you go deeper into your reflective mind. And uh, it reminds you to not fall trap into the similar situations going forward. Now, a lot of times people do this um, mentally, this exercise, but I love your suggestion that it should be done uh, in a written way, because writing it down and actually putting it Um, you know pasting it up on the inside uh, of your cupboard which you open every day and remind yourself I'm not doing that. The next time you're getting into a relationship it's like a good brush up for you to say (laughs) if I'm headed in that direction I am not going on my next date with this fellow. Well
0: it just reminds you about the pain that you went through and it wasn't always happy you know um, and fun and joyous relationship and it just reminds you why you actually broke up in the first place.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's an absolutely wonderful suggestion and one that I'm going to include on my list now, that not just mentally, but write it down. It's worked for my thank you for that. Yes, yes, yes.
2: yes. Yeah. So once you develop a relationship with individuals, Susie, is there residue left over in your blueprint?
1: Very much. And not just one kind of residues. There will be many (laughs) kinds of residues. And I'm going to just go through this list because I think this is a very important one. A lot of times I have people who come to me and tell me that, you know, I've done everything uh, to get over my ex and I'm still thinking about him and why is that happening? So I want to explain this uh, a little bit.
0: Susie, can I just go into also, um, because of that residue that's in your blueprint um, and it sets out a certain frequency, will you attract a certain person because of that as well?
1: No. No. The frequency is determined by what you have learned in the relationship and how you've um, in your knowingness, in your understanding, in your spiritual advancement, your consciousness will vibrate at the level of your understanding or knowingness or your experience has taught you. But what happens is that you will actually not attract a new person. So a lot of times you could have done the work, but you will not attract a new lover or a new person because of these residues in your blueprint. And you keep wondering, why is it I'm not meeting someone? And that's happening because you've not cleared the residues. Ah. So if you are stuck, uh, and you've done the work and you're still wondering why am I, you know, off and on this person's uh, image might pop up in your head or you might have a dream about him at night. Uh, why is it still happening? Because I've done everything. It's because you've not cleared the residues. So the first is that when you were in the honeymoon phase of your uh, relationship, there may have been uh, some dreams or fantasies or imaginations that you had uh talked about together, you know, you may have thought, oh, a lot of people rush into this discussion about when we get married, we'll build a home and we'll go to this place, or we will go on a holiday to Iceland or whatever else. Now those dreams or fantasies or imaginations, they're held like thought forms in the auric field. And uh, that's like a command to the universe to make it happen then there may be strong images uh, of and memories of good and bad times you've had together, which might flash through your head. Maybe uh, sometimes you go to a restaurant where you've been with that lover before and suddenly you can't help it. Just this flood of memories comes back at you because that image is in your aura and it is attracting this memory. Or there may be contracts made in emotionally intense and charged moments like, um, I'm going to marry you no matter what, or I'm never going to leave you. And that becomes a contract that you have with that person. And now you've decided to leave him, but there is a conflicting contract in your energy field, which says, I'm never going to leave you. And so you need to void that contract. Or there may be curses or abuses that you may have hurled at each other during uh, a fight. And um, you know, one of the two may have threatened you saying, I'm never gonna let you go, no matter what. And so what happens is firstly, there are all of these residues hanging in your auric field. Then you also have psychic cords that permit the flow of energy between Mm. these two individuals. And uh, if one person hasn't gotten over then he might still be fantasizing about you and he might still be uh, seeing you in the relationship with him and he will start vampiring energy from your field. I've had people who woken up and if they've had sexual intimacy, woken up and said, you know, um, it is so ridiculous because I'm over this person and I dreamt that we were having sex last night. And it's because, not because you desire it, but because that other person is still connected to you with a psychic cord at the sex chakra, and he is probably fantasizing, which is why you're dreaming about it, that dream is bringing to your awareness, it's time to cut the cord. And uh, so we can see that when a relationship ends, clearing the aura, canceling the contracts, Um, Incinerating all of those images, those uh, fantasies that you held together, and cutting the cords, whether the psychic cords, whether those are sexual cords, if there's been intimacy, whether they are power cords, if they've been connected to your solar plexus, if they are thought cords, if you have uh, sort of uh, been really good intellectual partners, or if they are still love cords that are connected to the heart, these need to be severed to clear your aura and prepare you in all readiness to meet someone else. Interesting.
0: Um, With all these alignments, uh, planetary alignments and cosmic um, dimensions, is it wise to contact a karmic astrologer in relationships? I know in certain parts of India um, that you do and it can be quite successful.
1: Uh, I have a personal view on this and that is that uh, it truly depends on the consciousness level of the astrologer or the guide because they should be worthy of doing justice to the faith that you invest in them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, many lost souls become highway healers and tarot or Akashic record readers who want to help others, but they haven't worked on them sufficiently. So while their intention is kind, they are not equipped to perform the role of a karmic guide judicially because they have not healed their own wounds or purified their own consciousness. So, letting them lead you is like letting a peer teach you a subject that they have only read but they have no mastery over yet. And the question you've got to ask yourself is do I want to be guided by a novice or by an expert. So, if the astrologer is more evolved than you are then of course it is beneficial to consult them and here too a word of caution that one should not go in blindly because we can get uh, very emotionally manipulated or uh, suggestible by things that the astrologer tells us but it's important to consult someone who we do while keeping our own self-reflections our self-inquiry in place we must not lose our own wisdom mind just because we are consulting someone else
0: sheesh okay so um uh shared negative negative karma and a soul contract create obviously miserable and highly challenging experiences as you discussed previously but um can we break cell contracts in karmic relationships
1: The only way to break a soul contract is by learning the underlying lesson on which the contract is based. So once you've learned it and purified your consciousness in regards to that aspect, then you can end the contract and walk away. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, this means that you have evolved faster than the other person uh, who was involved.
2: So it's not really breaking so much as resolving it then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's resolving. Yeah.
0: Nice. I've probably got one more question, um, Susie. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the show. I can't believe this, but we've got so much more to talk about. But um, how does karma and past relationships of our parents and ancestors actually affect us? Obviously, the DNA of our blood system, you know, can go back 14 generations. So how does their karma of our past ancestors actually affect our present day karma?
1: Hmm. This is, again, a very, very important one. And um, once again, because I have a very interesting case from my book, I'm gonna read that here now. So there was a soul needing to learn the lesson of self-reliance, and so chose to be born to parents who are preoccupied with their own lives, showering little or no attention on their growing child. Now, when this happens, it provides the perfect opportunity for this newly entered soul to fend for itself and learn to be independent. What may become apparent only through transgenerational therapy is that the abandonment is a genetic pattern in the family's ancestry. On probing further, you might find that three generations ago, a paternal grandfather had exiled his son for not conforming to the family traditions. Another ancestor may have killed a girl child because they had one too many daughters. And yet another one gave a daughter away for adoption. So the karmic history of abandonment is inherent in the family chain. And this is transferred genetically to this incoming soul who now has the opportunity to heal its family history. And he can do this in the following ways. One is his own first, his own organic personal experience. He needs to forgive his parents for neglecting him and being absent when he needed them the most. He can become a responsible parent himself by loving and honoring his children of both genders equally because uh, there's been an ancestor who killed a girl child and look after his parents in their old age without any resentment. So in this way, he is able to redeem the sins of his ancestors and end the family's karmic pattern of abandonment both ways in the direction of his past by nurturing his aging parents and towards his future by being a good father to both his male and female offsprings.
0: That's amazing, isn't it? Obviously, I mean, wealth of knowledge in what we just discussed and I've got to almost uh, take into account every line and actually just uh, think about what we actually talked about mm. very deeply.
2: And also there's a lot of depth and a lot of wisdom in, in your book. So how do people get hold of your book? Where can they find it? Where can they buy it? Um, and you know, what's, what's the full name of it so they can find it and purchase it and start learning of this wisdom that you've been sharing with us tonight
1: so the book is called seven karma codes and it is available on uh, amazon australia and um, both in the uh, physical form and in the e-version so um, i would uh, request people who are interested in understanding more about karma relationships life work um, their own spiritual search to just order the book online and uh, they can start their own personal journey of awareness and uh, completion, karmic completions.
2: That's fantastic. It's a great opportunity for them to learn even more. Now, do you have a website people can go to and follow you? Uh,
1: yes, I have. Uh, the website is called uh, suzieheals.com. I am available on all social media, on Facebook. My handle on Instagram is Heels. I'm on LinkedIn as Susie Singh and I have a YouTube channel called Susie Singh where I have uh, over 60 videos which can help you solve all kinds of problems in your life. So please do visit the channel, subscribe to it so that you can avail of all of this free information and make use of it in your life to create more peace and joy and happiness, which I pray for, for all of you.
0: Do you hold private consultations as well, Susie, for people who may be interested in a balanced relationship?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I I do a lot of work with um, people in relationships. I'm a relationship counsellor across the world um, over Skype, over Zoom calls, and they can just reach me. on my email ID, which is uh, susiehealsme at gmail.com.
0: Well, you've been fantastic as normal and and, uh, one of our favorite guests as well, Susie. You add so much value to um, our community. Thank you so much for being on our show tonight.
1: Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure and honor to be with you. Thanks,
2: Susie. Much appreciated. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Brett. Goodbye. hope you enjoyed our
0: conversation with Susie Singh uh, from India. And we'll be back next week on the Wellness Couch, 3ABR 87.6 FM. Have a fantastic night and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.